Well, hello, lovely humans, and welcome to Engage, a wedding planning podcast for the modern day couple. I'm your host, Jamie Wolfer, and I truly believe that wedding planning does not need to be complicated or time consuming. I kind of picture these episodes like jumping on a quick phone call with your wedding planner. You get your answers and you go on your merry way because sometimes not all of us have an hour to dedicate to listening to super long podcasts or super long intros. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it. Now, before we jump into today's episode, things are going to be a little bit all over the place, but that's for a good reason. If you didn't know, I actually do live phone calls with the members of the master plan quarterly. That means every three months I'm sitting down for a whole hour answering your questions questions. So if you're struggling and you're going through wedding planning and you're like, I just I just need someone to talk to for like a hot minute, please join the master plan. Join us on our quarterly calls and get your questions answered. And who knows, maybe you could be featured on the podcast too. I'm going to dive into these more like logistical questions, the wedding planning sort of questions. The first one I have here is from Rachel and it says, where do you start with building a perfect timeline? I'm getting married in October and I want lots of time to dance on the dance floor. So I agree. The dance floor is where it's at. I am right there with you. And um, planning your timeline does impact that. You're very smart to be thinking ahead on this because if you don't plan your timeline well, you're right. That's the part of the day that gets lost and you you don't end up with all that fun on the dance floor. So I really suggest checking out perfectweddingtimeline.com. That's the resource, the tool we've built that is amazing at helping you develop a professional timeline that literally lets you set text reminders for vendors and also for like your wedding party and stuff. If you know a few of the people tend to run late, there's a built-in system for that. So you're not having to personally do that on the big day. Um, And you can easily share the timelines with your vendors and collaborate with them. So as you build your timeline, you can actually share it with them and get their feedback, which is huge because this might be your first time planning a wedding. It probably is, but it's not your vendor's first rodeo. So work with them on that to really nail the timeline. Um, As far as working from scratch, that's totally okay too. You can do it. It does help to use perfect wedding timeline, but if not, the biggest thing I suggest with that tool or not is to work in reverse. There is generally a very hard stop at the end of the night. Your venue is going to boot you out. So when you're thinking through your timeline, start like basically slotting the time you'll need from the end of the night and you can work towards the morning. The morning can start as early as it needs to. I mean, no one wants to start on hair and makeup at three or 4 a.m., but like if that's the way the day is going to work out, you can do it. Um, You can't really adjust the end time with the venue. So that would be my most important suggestion. You mentioned that the dancing time is important for you. So as you're thinking through that day, make sure you have a lot of enough time for that and like set dinner, dinner far enough away from the end of the night and just give yourself plenty of time there. Other really key parts of the timeline to remember are like transition time. If you're going from one venue to another, there's not just the transportation, like driving time. There's how much time does it take you and like 10 friends to make it to your car or into a limo or whatever you're using and actually get out the door to the car, get out of the car, into the venue, you know, these transitions. And so add a lot of padding into that. Those are my big tips for building an awesome timeline. Again, perfect wedding timeline, my fave, like as a super timeline nerd, like I absolutely love it. So check that out. Next question is from Zill. And it says, I want lots of romantic lighting at my wedding, but I have no clue how to get started. Fairy lights, string lights, cool, warm. Can I rent them? Do I get someone to help with this? What would they even be called? Yes, this is a little bit confusing. And honestly, there are about a million different paths you would follow here. So I understand why this could be confusing. The first step is to talk to your venue though. 
you're going to want to confirm the rules. They may tell you, oh, this is our event lighting installer, and this is the only person you can use. And so that kind of answers your question. Um, they may be on the other end where they say, you can use whoever you want. Um, you could do it yourself. But that option really only works if you have the time flexibility for setup. Um, so that's kind of where getting the real details of scouting report on what your venue will allow and the time frame you have is going to be key. Because if you really only have venue setup time for like two or three hours, setting up your own twinkle lights is going to be a big problem. If you can't affix anything to the building or to the walls, you need to have freestanding posts. All of that just like compounds the level of stress and complication really, really fast. So again, uh, if your budget allows for it, you could hire a vendor, an event lighting company um, or installer, and they would be able to help you. If you're wanting to do it yourself and you can't put anything on the walls and you like the look of the style, there's uplights. Uplights are really simple. You can rent them from rentmywedding.com. Um, They're amazing and very affordable. You plug them in, you can change the color of the lighting, and it can add a lot of drama to a space without much time at all. Like a couple minutes, you could have them set up all over the room. So that's the simplest way to do it. But as far as which style, you like ask your venue to see, I mean, or look on their Instagram or maybe on their website and you see photos of prior events there. What lighting looked good? What did you like? What did you not like? And build from there. So that would be my suggestions to tell you always do up lights or do warm or do cold. That's really tough to say unless you're looking at the space and also your preference matters. Like some people love warm lighting. Some people hate it. Like <laughs> that's going to be totally your call and there's not really a right or wrong. So I hope that's helpful. And um, yeah, the uplights are a really simple way to add a little pop of color without a lot of stress. So that's a, an awesome option that's budget friendly too. If you thought for one second that I was going to start a brand new podcast and not bring over Generation Tux to join me, you are sorely mistaken. But you guys, there's a reason that I keep talking about them. There's a reason that I'm so obsessed with them. And one of them is all of the free offerings to you as the wedding couple. Number one, free swatches. If you want to do color comparison or compare it to any dresses or linens or florals, they will send you free swatches. Number two, a free home try-on for the wedding couple with free round-trip shipping. All of that's free. <laughs> but three, with five paid rentals, the groom gets his suit rental for free. Number four, with seven paid rentals, the groom gets his rental for free and then gets to keep the suit. You guys, if I have not convinced you to check out Generation Tux at this point, I don't I don't know who will. Head on over to wolferandco.com forward slash suits. Get 20 whole dollars off from January 9th through March 19th using code WOLFERWINTER. What are some good ways to negotiate swaps? Uh, the venue comes with linen and rentals and a charger plate, but the bride doesn't want to use the colors and they basically want to swap items out that the venue normally would cover. Um, okay, first of all, you have to ask the venue what they can offer. If they're offering that they could do chargers and like one color linen, that might literally be like their personal stock at the venue that they have. And there isn't an option to swap it for something else because it's not coming through a rental company. Uh, many times the items the venue is providing is coming through a rental company. And so they do have a little bit of flexibility, maybe 10 options of colors for linens or something like that, but they might initially just kind of propose like ivory and keeping it really simple, right? The timing of when you have this conversation is pretty important. If you've already signed the contract with the venue, if they have flexibility, they might not be as willing to like open that opportunity up. If you're still negotiating with them and you say, hey, we love the venue, but we don't really want ivory. Can we get pink or whatever? 
dusty rose, whatever the color is you like, they might be a little more on board to like make that magic happen for you and work it into your contract to get you to sign the deal, right? So if you haven't signed the contract, that's the time to try to see if you can work that into your deal. Um, sometimes you can even get venues to throw in extra things that weren't even on there, like fancier chairs, um, if they're really pushing to fill that spot. So that's the time to mention that and just see what's possible um, as a little perk. It's sometimes more affordable for them to do that versus give you a discount. So that might be something to consider. If you've already signed the contract, you might not have a lot of flexibility. And depending on the situation, if they're using a rental company or it's actually items on hand, the worst case scenario of just asking and opening up this conversation is them saying no, that they don't you know, offer that. And they just have the ivory linens and the one type of gold chargers. And if you don't like them, you bring something else. So that's kind of the worst case scenario. And if that's where you're at, then that's where you're at. You know, it's no worse than anything else. Uh, it's just you wanting to go after this specific aesthetic you like, that's something different. So that's okay. Um, do you all have any suggestions for having an open bar? Uh, but trying, I'm trying to decide what to supply as far as hard alcohol, how many types of wine, how many types of beer, mixers, et cetera, et cetera. So an open bar is not black and white, you guys. Like every open bar is not the same. You can have an open bar and just provide wine and beer only, like a very simple open bar. It's open as in they're not, your guests are not paying, but it does not have to be a complicated bar. So that's the first thing I want to point out is it's total gray area here with what you provide an open bar, especially if you have a BYOB policy with the bartending service. So I'm assuming your venue is going to do bartending service or like your caterer or something. So you have the service provided, but you're bringing the items to be put out at the bar. Um, and in that case, the option should be pretty wide open to you. Um, a standard basic open bar would include maybe two to four wines, beers, and alcohols. Generally, in case you go with a premium bar, you're not going to have like every alcohol under the sun, tons of different options for the wine and beer. It's a lot for the venue and the bartending staff to set up. So it's kind of minimized. It's not going to be the same as going to like a fancy bar downtown where they have every garnish and every everything. Um, even a premium open bar, I can list really quickly what was on the contract for an event I'm actually currently helping plan. And the premium open bar includes for the garnishes, limes, lemons, cherries, green olives, salt, simple syrup, grenadine, and bitters. So that was all the garnishes. The soda is Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, ginger ale. So just four sodas, juices, cranberry juice, orange juice, grapefruit juice, and pineapple juice. And the mixers are soda water, tonic water, sweet and sour, and bottled water. So from there, you could think quite a few cocktails could be built from there with maybe three or four different hard alcohols. Um, the really important thing for you to consider is what does your group of guests like to drink? You may be in a group that loves tequila and hates whiskey or vice versa. Um, you might be in a group who loves hard seltzer and canned cocktails and hard kombucha. That's a great option too. So there are like so many different directions you can go with your bar and reflect on what you like. What do you want to drink on your wedding day? What is your future spouse like? And what are your guests like? Particularly like your wedding VIPs. Like if you know your wedding party likes certain drinks, trying to have those on hand is awesome. Um, if you know your parents love a red wine, a Cabernet, make sure you have that in the bar, but there's no requirement to like have every person in attendance favorite item. That's like asking way too much of yourself. But if you can offer, like I said, two to four wines, two to four beers, 
two to four hard alcohols and then whatever mixers and garnishes you like um, that really can simplify things. And one other great trick is to set up a specialty cocktail or two and keep the hard alcohol only to those items. So you do the two to four wines, two to four beers, and like two specialty cocktails that the bartending team can mix in bulk. So like maybe it's margaritas and um, gin and tonics or something, if those are your faves. And that's all they have. They just don't need to have everything else. It also does simplify things if, you know, you put like a no shots rule, depending on the vibe you want at your wedding, you may want that or you may not, but it kind of makes it simpler where if it's only those mixed drinks or like tonic and something, you know, it doesn't get too crazy or complicated for the bartending staff either. So I'm sorry to tell you the answer is anything you want can be at the open bar. There's not really a wrong answer. Um, if you're still feeling like that's not clear enough, we have a video on the DIY bar, uh, what Pinterest doesn't tell you. So that's over on YouTube. Um, we'll put the link in. We also have an alcohol calculator and a bartending checklist and ice calculator are over in the master plan. So you can check all those things out. They'll help you kind of refine this. The last tip I have is if you have a little time, Google what your local bartending services normally supply. Regionally, there might be drinks that are more popular uh, in one part of the country versus the other. So looking and seeing what your area's local bartending services normally include in like a standard open bar or a premium open bar should give you ideas of what you might want to buy. So I hope that helps. Sitting here listening to a podcast is all fine and dandy, right? But sometimes you need an actual person to be asking some of these questions to. And you may be sitting there going, you know what, Jamie? Actually, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I would love to be able to ask you these questions. Guess what? You need to join the master plan. You've heard me talk about it, but do you know why I love it so much? You get to ask me and my team questions about your wedding personally. From live monthly calls with me to weekly office hours, you have access to a professional help at every single turn. The support you get in this program is amazing. Plus, on top of that, you get over 10 lessons that walk you through planning your wedding with videos and spreadsheets and other detailed resources along the way. Join me and my virtual clients over in the master plan and get all your wedding planning questions answered. Literally thousands of couples have gone on this journey with me and I'd love for you to be next. Check it out at wolferandco.com slash TMP. That's wolferandco.com slash TMP. Okay, next question's from Paige. Paige, you are saying you live in New York City, but you'll be holding your wedding in LA. And for dress shopping, should you be looking at bridal shops in New York or finding time to visit shops in LA? Now, the big thing is purchase the dress you love from wherever. I think there's no problem in going to LA. Maybe if you have friends and family out there, you want to go shopping or there are special boutiques you like out there. Awesome. If you purchase it in New York, you purchase it online, wherever. The big thing is going to be where you get your alterations completed. Because if you purchase it from a spot in LA that does the alterations for you and that's included in the price, that's going to become problematic. There are generally several appointments for alterations and they're often getting pretty close to the wedding. So it wouldn't be something you want to be doing a lot of back and forth travel for. Um, so I just make sure that if you do purchase a dress somewhere else that you set up alterations to be local, you find someone really good near you. It's definitely, we have an alterations little like cheat sheet that might be helpful for you to get an idea of what those alterations might be. Again, you might win the lottery and like you find the perfect dress that fits you perfectly and you don't need a single alteration, but that's more the exception than the rule. So that would be my suggestion there. It's just like, make sure you have the amazing alterations done local. 
buy the dress wherever you want, wherever you find the dress that you love. There is a YouTube video on wedding dress shopping that we'll share. And then also some ideas on how to find uh, cheaper wedding dresses without being scammed on the internet. So uh, hopefully those two might be helpful resources for you. And as I said, buy your dress wherever. If you love it, get it. And then just make sure you get your alterations done local. So save yourself a lot of stress there. Okay. Any tips for getting married internationally? Um, oh, this is a great question. I will say I am not generally planning destination weddings. So this isn't something that I can speak to at a lot of depth, but what I can recommend is that your first step really should be hiring a local planner because I have planned weddings here in San Diego for international couples. I have been that person for them where when they come into town, I have kind of helped them get the lay of the land and sourced everything here because it's very hard to plan from afar and get like the depth of knowledge of the local wedding market and know you're getting vendors who are awesome and work together really smoothly when you're not from there. And so that's something I'd really suggest is if it's in your budget, get a planner. And if it's not in your budget to get the planner, another option would be to select an all-inclusive venue or a venue that at least provides a preferred list of vendors. So often, you know, getting the preferred or required vendors with your venue can be a little troublesome because it can make wedding cost a little more. If you hire a venue and they say, these are the only two caterers you can pick from, like those caterers don't have to cut you a good deal because they know they're your deal. That's only the options you have for those two. So um, as far as the competitive pricing, it doesn't work in your favor, but as far as being out of town and knowing that you're hiring vendors that the venue works with well, that have experience and will do a good job, it really does work in your favor. So it's kind of a double-edged thing when you have that preferred or required vendor list. So either all-inclusive or that they provide like a full-on list of all the vendors they prefer or require um, would be super helpful. And it makes it a lot simpler for you if you're not having to go out and source the DJ from just the internet anywhere, you know, it's they've given you a list of three DJs they love. It's much quicker for you to just reach out and get those quotes and then know you're already work, like talking to the right people that are going to do a great job for you. Um, okay. The other thing to keep in mind, if you were traveling in and you, maybe this might be hard to hear or might be a great thing to you. It depends on your personality, but you need to be cautious with your DIY stuff. If you're traveling to your own wedding, you cannot DIY nearly as much as you would if it's local. And if you are DIYing, you have to really be intentional about what items they are like nothing big, obviously nothing that's very uh, fragile or you're going to have to really put an effort into transporting it in a, a very careful way, shipping it ahead. Things get really complicated. Um, there was a wedding I helped with in Maui. The couple had DIYed a lot of items and many of them ended up arriving kind of crunched up. And so it was really frustrating for everybody. Um, and that's not what we want. We want the items you put your time and effort into to be beautiful and work out. So just be cautious with DIY when you're, when you're going to be traveling to your own wedding. The last thing I'd say that I learned from that wedding in Maui is to embrace the local culture and customs, food, heritage. Like at that wedding, they had shave ice as part of their, their reception, which was not something that they personally as Californians would have very often, but it's part of the culture in Maui. So they were like, yeah, let's do that as part of a dessert option. And it was so fun and it was so delicious. And of course, all the people visiting loved it. So um, that's something to keep in mind is what does this place that you're visiting, that you're celebrating and offer. And how can you 
bring it into your wedding and really allow your guests to celebrate this special place that you're having them come to. If you are struggling with wedding planning and you have questions and you just need someone to listen and to chat with, come join us in the Master Plan community over at themasterplanwed.com. I would love to have you in there. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, subscribe, jump on over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a five-star review.